0: Good morning! It's, it is sure good to have you here this morning. I am actually in Richfield the entire morning. So uh, the campus pastors are preaching out at Farmington and, and Apple Valley today and I am here uh, the entire morning. Got a couple of baby dedications and a bunch of stuff. I'm actually leaving for Africa at 2.30 today and uh, so be praying for us. Uh, we will be getting into Togo at, on Monday, and uh, flying out of New York tonight. Going to fly to Lomé, spend two days in Lomé, dedicate the the high school that you built in Lomé, and then on Wednesday morning, we're flying to Burkina Faso, and dedicating all of the buildings you built. And you built a number of them there, and. Um, be in some of the other Bible colleges. We're also meeting while in Togo, the general superintendent of the Ivory Coast, who's gonna talk with us about a project in the Ivory Coast uh, where we can just invest in the kingdom and build the kingdom. How many are excited that we're part of building the kingdom around the world? And uh, what's incredible about what you're doing and, and how we're reaching those goals, we were, we were able to, and pledges, uh, uh, receive about $20,000 a month, so we're, we're halfway there and giving pledges if you haven't made a missions pledge. How many enjoyed last weekend with Randy? Wasn't he great and just casting vision? Um, uh, we're really, we're probably hit a half a million dollars that we're going to give to missions this year, and we want to hit 750000 in 2022, and that only happens when we get a vision when we see the impact we're making in lives around the world. You know what's amazing? And I'll give you an example of this. In Myanmar, uh, I was there about five years ago, up 30 miles from the China border and uh, about 75 uh, minutes from India. And it's right up tucked in there. And you guys were part, we joined with a number of other churches to build uh, a whole section of a Bible college there training pastors for Myanmar. Now we're, we're, we've been kicked out of the country. The American missionaries have been kicked out of the country, it's in a civil war, but those schools are still going training uh, pastors, the pastor, the people in that country. That really is where the future of the church is at, is raising up people from those nations, the pastor, the people in those nations. And when you do that, the, the move of God in those countries are incredible. And so that's where we're really investing our resources is just equipping people to take the gospel to the world and uh, encourage you to be faithful to that. That will start in 2022 if you made a pledge in January. We'll start that also in January, that first week of January. Put it in your calendar. Uh, we've been doing this for the last two weeks. We're going to have five speakers, five nights. We're going to fast and pray that entire week from 630 to 730, starting Uh, I think it's January 3rd, uh, uh, 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th, and then we we have an incredible line of speakers coming in each of those nights at 7 o'clock at the Apple Valley campus. Now, I know some of you say, well, why is everything in Apple Valley? Number one, nothing would fit here. Uh, If you went to those services, we couldn't fit them in this auditorium, it's too small. Two, it's halfway between Farmington and Richfield. And it's closer for everyone to get to from way down in the south and way up in the north. They can come together there and it's gonna be in the gymnasium area. If you have not been to there, it's not in the auditorium. We, we, it won't even fit in the Apple Valley's sanctuary area. We actually have to set up the gym to do that. And so uh, I wanna encourage you to come. If you remember last year, the impact it had in so many lives, you're going to be blessed by it. So I wanna encourage you to come and and to do that now there are two things i need to do uh, before uh, i get into the word and one of them is um, i need to let you know some of the things that are happening we just hired a a worship pastor and his wife to come from they're coming from georgia they'll be starting in january not for for richfield but uh, is actually overseeing all of the worship of bethels rock and then we we have two um, people that are leaving us, but not leaving us. There, one's leaving us, and 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 has re, two two have resigned positions. And the first one is Pastor Ella, who's been with us for four years, had a little baby Jules, and uh, she will be leaving us at the first of the year. And we have someone that we're uh, finalizing some details that will take over in that position, but. If you see Pastor Ella, can you let her know how much we appreciate the many sacrifices she and Michael have made in ministry? They have done an incredible job. And and we really want to encourage you to be, you know, generous, you know, to give, and just to say thank you, because they have done a whole lot of things that you have never seen uh, done, you know, just things they've done behind the scenes, and no credit is ever given to them. And... Pastor Ella has just been a faithful, a loyal servant, and she's been blessed with uh, little jewels. And, uh, and then she got married to Michael while she was here, met Michael here. And so they're always a part of this church. They will always be part of this church. And we love them and appreciate them a, a whole lot. The other person who has resigned uh, because of ministry is uh, Pastor Olivier and Lottie have resigned as the campus pastors and there are another couple that have done an incredible job leading in the season that they have been in here at Richfield and uh, we want to say thank you. Uh, He said when he started this that he and I are brothers and uh, we really are brothers uh, just different colored skin And uh, but we're brothers, we have the same heart. And and he has a ministry uh, that he had before he came on as campus pastor, really feels that that's what God is telling him he's supposed to do. Alati, she has been an incredible campus pastor wife. I got to tell you, my wife appreciates her. She is a servant. Um, They they're going to still be a part of Bethel's Rock. Uh, because we won't let them go. We actually, we're going to have them shackled here. And so they'll be as involved and as much a part of it and their leadership and, and just heart. And I'm trying to get him to stay on staff to do what he was doing before as international ministries pastor. So if you want to manipulate him a little bit, uh, go ahead and do that because we don't want to let him go. We just love him a whole lot. And we are actually in interviews with someone right now. Or tonight, actually, in Newark, I have a, uh, with the board, we're, we're interviewing someone in the third interview to fill that role. Uh, that will start January 1st, uh, where Pastor Olivier will be done, and then we'll be uh, looking to fill it at that time. And the person we have is... is uh, it's just, I think if this happens and this is what the Lord wants, I mean, we're in the third interview. I think you're really going to appreciate uh, uh, him as well as we say goodbye to Pastor Olivier, and that's going to be hard in and of itself. Amen? Yeah, can you give him a hand? Yeah, have, stand up, my brother. Stand up. Yeah, yeah. Can you give him a And Lottie's back there as well. They're an incredible couple. And if you can again be generous with them, send them a card and put some of what we call a Pentecostal gift in it. Uh, you know, I'll be honest. I think the most, the strongest individual, if if you were to put strength, his greatest strength is his spiritual depth. He is one of the strongest spiritually. Uh, rooted people on our staff if not the strongest and he has spoken words into my life over the year and a half that he's been here that have just been really perfectly timed Um, I personally will miss that because he he even when I don't like what he's saying he he you know you know you ever get frustrated when you know the person's saying something that's right but you didn't want to hear it some of you are saying every Sunday pastor every Sunday. He <laughs> uh, he He has a, he, he will do that and he's constantly in the word and we have been blessed to have him here and um, I hope that uh, he continues on. And, and the ministry he's doing in Togo will be doing in Togo. It, is, it will be a partnership whether he's our international ministry pastor or not. We will always partner with that ministry. So we feel so blessed to have him here. Now, uh, and, and I'm probably missing some other things that I'm not saying in regards to staff. People say, well, why, why all the changes? That's what happens when you have a lot of staff. And that's what's going on in the world we're in. Don't be deceived. I mean, it's happening all over the transitions. Everything is happening all over the place. Uh, it, it just is. And you may not like it, and I don't like it, but it is what it is. And uh, we need to be ready because what I'm going to talk about this morning is we really are uh, in the last days. Now, I know you've heard that, but there's, we're, we're going into the season and the holiday uh, the, of, of this, this truth, the coming of Jesus. You know, what's interesting about this is just as in the, Old, the New Testament we look forward to the coming of Jesus, right? How many in here are looking forward to the coming of Jesus? How many are looking forward to the coming of Jesus before you die? Yeah, right? I've noticed that there is a tipping point when you're young, you don't want the coming of Jesus until a number of things happen. But then there's a tipping point where you're like, yes, I want the coming of Jesus because I don't want to die or go into a nursing home or do any of those things. I, come back, Jesus. He's coming before I go. It's like a hope, right? What's interesting is just like in the New Testament that we're looking for the coming of Jesus, the people of the Old Testament were looking for the coming of Jesus, We celebrate that coming in Christmas. Generation after generation looked for the coming of the Messiah. And he didn't come. But he did come at one point. There was a generation that saw the coming of the Messiah. And they were told in the Old Testament, be ready, be aware, be be, uh, open open to the coming of the Messiah. And one generation actually saw the coming of the Messiah. Of the Messiah and we celebrate what took place on that day that we call Christmas Uh, and probably happened in the spring not in December so it was probably not a white Christmas but but what we're looking for is the Christmas to come the coming of another uh, day when Jesus comes back and he takes us up out of this place And there's all kinds of feelings about this. Uh, I personally believe that there is a rapture in Thessalonians. It says they shall be caught up. I'm going to read this verse to you. They shall be caught up in the air. And... uh, the dead in Christ will rise first and then we will be caught up in the air with them. Caught up in Latin means raptor, uh, and then which is how we translate uh, 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 raptor into rapture. It's where we get the word rapture, but in the Bible it actually says they shall be caught up uh, in the air when Christ comes. And it's not only a doctor of our church, but so many people are asking this question, are these the last days? Are these the last days? And I would say, yes, they have been the last days since Jesus went up into the sky in Acts. We are living in the last days on earth. And and the reality is, is we should be living as though it is the last days. But many of us are not living as if, if it is the last days. We're, we live as if there's hundreds of days or there's many, many days. You know, I did a series a number of years ago, about nine, maybe nine years ago, and it was... 30 days to live. It was a very encouraging series. But it really talked about how would our life be different? How would we live our life differently if you had been told you had 30 days to live? How many believe it would be a lot different? How many probably have a lot less arguments? How many would probably have a whole lot of conversations that meant something and, and would discard the things that really don't mean anything? If we lived our life as though there were 30 days to live, I think we would live with a whole lot more passion for the things that deserve to be passionate about. Isn't it true? Isn't it true? And you know, first, uh, uh, Matthew 24 says this, but... About that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. No one knows when the Lord is coming back, when Jesus is going to be coming back. I think he's ready and prepared for his dad to say, go get him. Go get them, and quite frankly, I did a, 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 I think it was a a 30-week series on Revelation, and isn't it interesting that the book of Revelation is called Revelation, but it seems like a mystery, right? Most people who read it think, well, I don't understand anything. Well, it's supposed to be a revelation, and I don't get it. it. Now you know what the disciples felt like. When Jesus would tell them a parable, and they're like, What do you mean? And we we're like, Oh, how stupid are the disciples? Like, how, how did they not figure it out, right? If there were another generation, they'd look, How did they not figure out Revelation? Here's a great way to look at Revelation when it becomes a revelation, you're close. When Revelation starts to make real sense, and you can see how all of those things take place, we're real close to the coming of the Lord. And one of the things that you will see in Revelation is the Lord came back for his bride that was on earth during the rapture, but you see him come back again later during the tribulation because he loves people just that much. And yet they rejected him even then. There are signs of the times. There are all kinds of signs of the times. And we can see it. Hurricanes, drought, uh, public unrest all over the world, threats of war, uh, pandemic. All of it has all been prophesied would happen in the last days. Uh, But let's look at Chronicles. It says, from Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Two hundred chiefs with all their relatives under their command. There are two things that they did. They were men who understood the times and they knew what Israel should do. They understood the times they were living in. Do we understand the times that we're living in? See, understanding the times that we're living in is recognizing that the things we don't like that are going on all around us are going to happen when you're at the end, so don't get so worked up about it. It's incredible how we say we want the Lord to come back, but we're gonna do everything in our power to prevent the things that are bringing the return of the Lord. Stop fighting the battles God never asked you to fight. I'm going to say that one more time. Stop fighting the battles God never intended for you to fight. He didn't ask you to fight those battles. You're fighting those battles in your own strength, and you're wearing yourself out, and you're getting depressed and discouraged, and you're in a mental state that isn't isn't healthy. Because God never intended you to fight those battles. And when we fight battles God never intended us to fight, when we're out doing things God never asked us to do, you will, you will lose all energy. You won't be energized by that. You'll get discouraged and tired and worn out and burnt out. The other one is they knew what to do. They didn't lose their mind. Now, how many know what I'm talking about, lose your mind? I, I got an example of this. Uh, there's a video, and I want you to see this. Uh, because, yeah, I just wanted to watch the game while we're sitting here today. Now, I want, I want you to see this. Someone who lost their mind. Now, this is human nature, okay? So this guy gets hit in the face, and he starts bleeding by LeBron James. How many know who LeBron James is, right? LeBron hits him in the face. Now, I want you to watch. He starts to lose his mind, and this is not who this individual is. That's not how he normally acts. But he gets upset and he loses his cool and I want you to watch later he's going to regret what he did because that's not who he is it's not even his normal person it's just not him watch watch what happens he, he cannot stop himself are you seeing that and he's starting to bleed worse because he's getting more and more worked up Now that's not even the worst of it watch Yeah, I think he's a little upset too. What did he just say? Just what? But they're telling him, just calm down. What is that doing to him? How many know why you know that? See how he just plowed through? That's crazy. Who would want to stop a guy that big trying to plow? Okay. Now, Now, you can shut it off. Why am I showing that? It's it's because it's emblematic of a lot of us in this room. We don't like what was done to me or is being done to me and people are like, calm down and think about it and we're like, no. And what's driving us, it is not clear thought, it is pure rage. It's pure rage. What you saw there, is an example of so many believers because of the moral climate that we hate all around us. Just pure rage. And you're not thinking clearly. So we make statements that make no sense whatsoever. I'll give you one in the political arena. My wife always says, don't talk about this, but we say, They're just trying to destroy this country. That's a rage statement. No one's trying to destroy the country. No one's trying to, they're trying to accomplish their version of what they want it to look like. You may not agree with how their vision, what their vision is. You may not like it and you may even be right. But that doesn't mean they're trying to destroy anything. Are you with me? But then you get rage and you start posting on Facebook and you start saying stuff that is like literally sends this message, and that's not who you are. And then you look at it after you've, like, a bowl in a chino shop has destroyed the whole place, burned your influence. You look back and you realize how if you had just what? Calmed down. Like you're looking at yourself and saying, That isn't even me, just like Stuart was doing in this video. You say, can you believe that guy and what he did? How many of us done the same thing? How many of us done the same thing? His was just recorded on national television, right? Yours was just recorded on Facebook or Instagram. The end is planned. There is an end. There is going to be evil that is going to literally begin to arise up in the world all around us. Are you aware and clear-minded of that? Are you clear-minded? You're all looking at me like, you know, I, you know I, look at Acts. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, And a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky. So Jesus was there. Jesus is now taken up. So this is pretty incredible. I mean, if Jesus is standing in front of you and then he's taken up, you saw him walk on water. But now he just goes until the cloud covers him. And you're like, is he coming back? Like, he's seven coming back, right? Like, was this a one-way ticket, or is he coming, like, he coming down? And they said they were looking intently up in the sky as he was going away, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. So you would assume their angels uh, came to him and said, Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking in the sky? <laughs> Well, didn't you see Jesus go up in the sky? He's up in the sky, like he went up in the sky. Like, wait, that's why we're looking in the sky. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, look what it says, will come back the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So he's coming back one day. He's going to break through the sky. How many have ever looked at the sky and said, that sky looks like, a lot like a sky I would envision Jesus coming through, right? I want to show you where this was. This was up on the Mount of Olives. This, this would have been right where Jesus would have been taken, right from this point of view. It would have been taken up in the air. That's where they would have been looking up in the sky. It really exists. It's real. It's a real place. Look at Luke. Jesus tells us in Luke, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. So astrology and, and those will start to point. Just remember... Astrology pointed to the coming of Christ the first time. How do we know that? The wise men said we saw the star. We were watching and we saw it and we followed it to this place. It will also show the coming of the Lord in the future. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of seas. So you have hurricanes and flooding and there will be anguish and perplexity, people will faint from terror, apprehension of what is coming of the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Uh, Look at this word, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. Anybody been a little apprehensive about what's going on all around you in the world? All of the fires and droughts and everything that's going on? At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and great glory. And when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift your heads. What? Lift your heads. Why? Because your redemption is drawing near. Isn't it an interesting word? Because there's a lot of tension in the room about the return of Christ. This says your redemption is drawing near, which means you're gonna we're going to take you up out of this place. Right? But... But we often see the rapture like, I got all these things I want to get done before you come, Lord. And none of them are eternal. They're all experiences or moments that we're looking for. And we, don't, we really don't have anything to compare heaven to. And so we really do believe heaven is kind of the consolation prize because we failed on earth. So now we got to settle with that. Not that Christ is going to restore what was taken. Hurricanes, terror, earthquakes, pandemic, relational tensions that are happening. And, and this verse really points that there, we're in the season. We're seeing things that we have never seen before on the entire planet. Not just a nation, an entire planet. Now, let me, let me give you a little story that will hopefully cause you to laugh a little bit. Let me give you a dad joke. Um, Sven and Oli, uh, who were real people somewhere, um, they they both pastored for a season of time, and they both had churches on either side of the road across from each other, and uh, the road uh, there was a road that went right between their churches, and one put up a sign that said the end is near, and uh, uh, the other one said. Uh, repent and turn turn the way you're going turn from the way you're going well some car came speeding in and stopped and rolled down his said you guys are a bunch of crazy fanatics and rolled up his window and squealed off went around the curve, and it wasn't long and they heard the screeching of tires and a big splash and Sven looked over at Oli and says, maybe we should have changed our signs to say, uh, turn around the, the road ends, the bridge is out. <laughs> Sometimes uh, how we word things can, can really come across in a negative way with people because of their perception, Right? you know, I'm at a T-Wolves game and you got a guy say, Jesus is coming, the end is near, probably isn't gonna get much fruit. In fact, what it does, it really makes us look strange. And, And yet there are some that really believe that's what you're supposed to do. Listen, the goal isn't to make people think we're weird. We're peculiar, we're not weird. And the message of the return of Christ is not a weird message. It's a mess of incredible hope. Does that make sense? I think we've relegated some of it to something else. We Are we living the last day? Yes. My grandfather thought he was and he died. My dad believed he was and, and he's now in his seventies and maybe he'll see it. I don't know. But we've all been living in these last days and this is what the last days look like. But. Globally, there are three things I want to show you that are happening that have never happened before. First of all, worldwide satellite technology. It hasn't been until recently that you can really see something from all over the world. And the revelation is very clear that there will be two witnesses that will preach in Jerusalem. They will be killed in Jerusalem and lie there for three and a half days. And the whole world will be able to witness it 24-hour coverage. Witness it. Revelation literally prophesied it. Never were they able to do that until today. Now imagine, that was 2,000 years ago. They had no idea of radio waves. They had no idea of frequencies. They had no idea of any of the science that could take, and yet in Revelation they prophesied, uh, it's, it was prophesied by John, that that the entire world would watch what took place in Jerusalem. How, how many believe, there's something different about the book of Revelation than any other book on the planet, right? I mean, this guy saw, John saw something that would be over 2,000 years later would be take to fulfill it. They had no concept of all of the stuff that's out there. They didn't have radios back in Jerusalem. There wasn't the Jerusalem 95.3 Jerusalem's worship, you know. The, uh, they didn't have any of that. Pretty amazing. Here's the second thing. The world, worldwide financial technology. It's, it's pretty credible. Revelation 13, Revelation 11 talked about the two witnesses. Revelation 13 talks about what we know as the mark of the beast. And the mark of the beast, one, comes after the rapture, not in a vaccine. So if you're thinking, because you watched an app, said it was in a vaccine, it is not in a vaccine. It comes after the rapture, and you make the choice... To take it and it's in regards to financial, not health. Okay? I just want to be clear, it's not the mark of the beast. It's, it's crazy some of the stuff people are believing, okay? The the mark of the beast, as Revelation says it, will be either in the forehead or the back of the hand. Okay? Now let me show you an article that is, well, go back right there. Microchip implants for employees, one company says yes. Uh, this, this literally was an article in the New York Times, J- July 25th, 2017. Um, Maggie Astor wrote it. It is a Wisconsin company that was having a chip. They could decide, but they were putting chips in their hand. Like literally, there's a day where you go to Walmart and you just take your head and go, mm. <laughs> Scan- actually, Actually, literally, the technology is already there to put a chip in every item that you purchase. And the chip in your body, and you won't even check out. You will just walk through a scanner. It will scan every chip in your bags, and it will scan the money out of your chip in your body. And it will scan it, and you'll just walk out of the store and pay for it that way. No stopping at lines anymore. It's our technology is already there. This are you seeing things that that never happened before, but today it is how many are saying Man, it sounds a lot like it could be the end times last days, right? Here's the third one, worldwide evangelism in 2000 or 1970, because Matthew 24, 14 says this. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and in the end will come. 42% of the world have yet to hear about Jesus. How many want the Lord to return? Like I said, everybody in there about 45, 46 says yes. Everyone south of that says not yet. All right? Uh, But 1970... Because there are 17,000 people groups on the planet. 10,000 of these people groups have a Bible, church, and a missionary. 7,000 people groups do not have a clear witness. In 1970, there were 1.2 billion Christians. In 2020, there are 2.6 billion uh, people who claim to be Christians. Okay? Now, the increase of the population is part of this as well. But on a percentage basis... Islam is growing at about a 2.9%, Buddhism at about a 24 Christianity is growing at a 6.7% increase all over the world, 67 spreading like wildfire, one of the fastest moving churches, growing churches in Iran, or yeah, in Iran is one of fast the largest church is in China followed by India that are just exploding and the more persecution that comes upon the, the nation the more the church grows because the drier it gets the more the fire burns now let me ask you a question and i don't want you to respond i want you to think about it it's one of those questions would you If it meant the church becoming on fire and growing in this country, would you say, send persecution, Lord, so that the church grows? Or would you rather have all of the peace you can have and let the church continue to just die? Now, I know what you're thinking. I would rather have the peace I have and the church grow. We've had it for decades and the church continues to die because we're not passionate about our faith persecution causes you to get in tune with what you really believe would you die for what you believe i don't know i've never been in that place to even have to determine that First Thessalonians 5 says this. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we are who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, who are left until the what? The coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep, those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, uh, with a shout. Uh, I like the King James version of that, with the voice of the archangels and with the trumpet call of, the, uh, of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Doo, 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 doo. Wouldn't that be great if God came back right now and we're like, is this real or did they make this happen, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, and after that, we are still alive. Our left will be caught up. This is where the word rapture comes from. Together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. He doesn't actually come to earth. The rapture is when he comes in the clouds, he doesn't actually step on earth until later after the tribulation is done. And so we will be with the Lord when, for, for what? Forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. It's supposed to be an encouragement that we're going to be with him Forever. There are a whole lot of people like, I don't know that that sounds like I, I really want to do that, you know, it just, if I got to choose between the two, Minnesota's great, but heaven is a lot better, Amen. right, where there's no more tears, there's no more pain, there's no more snow, praise the Lord, right, Jesus' return prepares us, first of all, Jesus' return prepares us. Uh, over 300 references in the New Testament to the coming of Christ. 216 of the 260 chapters in the New Testament are talking about it in 23 of the 27 books of the New Testament talk about the coming of Christ he wants us to be ready uh in in second Thessalonians it says this now or first Thessalonians it says now brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying peace and safety destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape but you brothers and sisters are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief you're not in darkness it should not surprise you you are the bride of christ and we're preparing for that day when we will be with our bridegroom that's exactly how the bible talks about it here's the second one Jesus returns focuses us On eternal things and not things that are passing away. It focuses us on on what, what God wants us to be working toward. It says this in 1 Thessalonians You are all the children of the light, children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. Let us be awake and sober. Let's be aware to live for eternity, to live for the one who's coming and not caught up in this world that is passing away. And really, quite honestly, we have become so focused on this world. That's how you become angry with what's happening in the world. It's because we're focused on this place and not that place. And we've made what's important in something that's passing away, important in our life and it's affected our decisions rather than knowing that there is an eternity that we're living for and that is the thing that directs and affects my decisions so so what should I do what should I do well let's take a look at that what should I do if that's the case when the son of man returns it'll be like it was in Noah's days people who are even doubting that God's coming back they have been saying that these are the last days for years they've been saying God's coming back he never came back and so you know all of that I don't even know if it's true I don't know if I even believe that I don't know what I believe about the the return of Christ Uh, isn't it funny how we'll spend hours researching things that have no importance at all and we won't spend time in the word trying to discover what God has planned In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch. For you do not know what day your Lord is coming. You don't know. We don't know. We don't know that. We just know he is coming. Understand this. If, it, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit, permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time. For the Son of Man will come when we least expect it. So we need to be prepared. The first thing we need to do is I should think clearly. I should think clearly, not get worked up by everything that is going on all around us. Not be affected. How many believe that there are things that we impact impact what God's doing? And there's some, there is a sovereign will of God that is at work. God has written the entire story. We play a part in that story, and we can change, like literally work, like Moses, we say, changed the mind of God. There are things that we can do to impact parts of that, but there is an overarching story that is being told God has a plan for this planet. And God has a plan for you in eternity. So we should think clearly. The end of all the things is near, therefore be clear-minded, self-controlled, so that you can what? So when you get angry, you maybe should stop and pray about it. Maybe you should stop and talk to the Lord about it. Prayer is essential to your clear thinking. Prayer is our realignment of things. When you get angry and upset by decisions that are made that affect you, that are immoral, that are not biblical, that, that are upsetting to you, and you get angry, rather than respond with anger and, and vitriol and, and, and this passionate you know, attack, we should stop and pray and ask God, how am I to walk in these last days? How am I to respond in these last days? How am I to be a witness to, of you on this planet in these last days? How do I communicate that, Lord? How do I, how do I walk in that? When we pray, we are seated with God in heavenly places. And it causes us to set our mind at things above and not on this world. But when the enemy gets us to stop praying because he's convinced us it makes no difference, we've approached prayer in the mentality that prayer is only this rubbing of the genie's belly thing, and he never gave us what I prayed for, so prayer doesn't work. The reason your prayer didn't work is because that's not what it was not only intended to be, that's not what prayer is. Prayer isn't convincing God to do things for me. Prayer is is literally stepping into the heavenly place and getting a better perspective of everything while you communicate with your creator. And when you do that, it puts your thinking into alignment and it gives you clarity. Look at this. We research the problems. We need to research the promise. We spend more time researching what cancer I have than we do researching the promises in the Word of God that overcome that cancer. We need to research His Word and what God has promised in our life. Here's the second thing that we should do. I should focus on relationships. i will tell you this much. There's no greater thing than the relationships that you have people. When all of it's done, when everything's done, the thing that will matter most to you are the people that you know. They are the ones you want, I've been, and I've said this many, many times, I've been in a lot of deathbeds over the years where people were dying. And the one thing they didn't do, you know what they didn't do? They didn't say, you know what, can you pull up your phone app? I just wanna look at how much money I have in my accounts. I just, it just makes me feel so good that I have that much money. You know, if anything, doing that would, would like bother you. I have that much money I didn't spend? Right. You know, the other thing, can you bring all my plaques in? I want to look at all of my all of my, you know, awards I got and I want to look at all of the things I just want to look at. Can you bring them in the hospital room and just set them up so I can look at all of what my what I did? You know what they want? They're like, can the kids come home? I want to see them. Can my my siblings, can they come and see me? I want to see them. Can my friends, I want to see them. That's what matters most in the end. It's people. It's people. That's what it should be refocusing us on in those last days, is that we're focused on the fact that there are people that are important. First Peter says it this way. It says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Do you know why there are people that you can't stand? You don't love them. Isn't it amazing how your kids can be rotten and you still love them? How many know what I'm talking about? Like they just get a rotten attitude, just rotten. They can just do rotten things. And it's amazing how your love will just love them anyway. Right? If you love people, it will cover what their behavior is. Offer hospitality to one another without what? <laughs> Let's say that together. Offer hospitality to people without. St- okay, right right? Here's the third thing we need to do. I should make a difference. I should make a difference. Make a difference. If I know he's coming back, I'll make a difference. Here's the first Peter. Each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength of God that he provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Why are we doing it? So that Christ might be praised. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. First, we need to live for heaven, not earth. We need to give for heaven. We need to serve for heaven, not earth. Second, stand for the truth. Truth. Is the combination of what God said and love. It's combined. Number three, preach the gospel. Preach the gospel, not like I'm sitting and preaching in these four walls, but you share the love of Jesus and the forgiveness of Christ and that He purchased a, a grace for their gave grace for his, for His sins. And then fourth, prepare to meet Jesus, your bridegroom. Prepare to meet Him in the air, prepare for it, because he is coming back. Will you stand? Isn't God so good, amen? And most of you in this room have invited Jesus to come in your life, but it is so easy to get distracted with this world, isn't it? It is so easy to get caught up and the affections of this world. And I think God just wants us to put it down. So, you know know what God wants, the one thing that you have that God doesn't have? There is one thing you have God doesn't have. You know what it is? Your heart. He gave you something that he does not have. He gave you a heart. And when he sent his son Jesus to earth, He sent his son to attract the affections of your heart. To say, God, I love you. So Jesus, in doing that, could not force you to receive his gift of salvation, forgiveness of sins, life instead of death. He couldn't force you to do that. But he wanted to come and show you it so that you'd be so attracted to it, you wouldn't be able to walk away. And yet, so many people have walked away because the version of God's attraction that we've given to the world has actually caused people to lean away from the coming of Christ and to lean in to it. And I wonder sometimes if we aren't attracted his heart that we're just doing it as fire insurance because I know there's a hell and I don't want to go there and that's the only reason I'm here today is because I don't want to go to hell and I'm just trying to cover my bases so I go to eternity but as for attraction to God I have none God loves you and I am sorry if that's the version of God's the gospel that you've heard but I'm here to tell you That Jesus came, he says, I want to do in your life. I want to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. I want to not only rescue, I want to have a relationship with you. It's not about your behavior. It really is about your heart. It's about your heart. Will you bow your head for a moment? You know, you say, I've been coming to church for years, but I don't know that God has my heart. Raise your hand. Just raise your hand up as high as you can. Thank you. Thank you. you put your hand down? Father, right now I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters in this room. We're tied together by your blood. Literally we're brothers and sisters, co-heirs with you. Lord you know how the enemy. Is going after our heart because it's the only thing you, you want is our heart. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would just ignite. Let us see and hear what we're not seeing and hearing so that we might perceive and our heart might be healed in the power of your love, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.